0: An unusual guy in the Bible today, his name is Epaphroditus. Don't know if I'll call my son Epaphroditus, funny name, but his name's in the Bible for a very specific reason. And and we all remember famous people in the Bible I mean, we all remember Peter, we all remember Paul, Moses, we get that guy, but this guy, Epaphroditus, some of us don't know about him, and so we're going to study this guy today because we want to make sure that at Freedom Church, everybody is important and that everybody's contribution here at freedom church is important a few of my mates have been saying daryl you must do a membership course here at freedom church i don't know if a membership course is going to lay a foundation in people's hearts of what it means to be part of a family and so this preach today perhaps will just solidify and cement something of what it means to have a culture of a family and we're going to learn about this guy okay Epaphroditus, nice to have you here, but Philippians chapter 2, in verse 19, you got it there. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I may also be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern For your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Say everyone. That includes you. And that includes you. Everyone. includes myself. I look out for my own interests and not for those interests of Jesus Christ. One of our biggest problems in the church, friends, is that we're selfish. We. We are selfish. And I think the church needs to go after our selfishness. I don't think it is meant to be easy to be part of Freedom Church. I don't think it's meant to be comfortable when we come here to Freedom Church. But it must certainly be enjoyable when we come here. But not comfortable. Verse 22. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served. Look at that. Served with me in the gospel. That is beautiful. eh? He's an amazing writer. He didn't serve for me. I'm the man No, he served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it's necessary for me to send back to you. Here we go. Here he is. Epaphroditus. This is the guy that we're going to speak about today. Epaphroditus. Carry on reading there. My brother. That's the Benoni way of saying brother. My brother. I think brother... Brother is the Christian term that you give somebody whose name you cannot remember. Man, and I battle with names. eh? I had a guy sitting, he's there today, my goodness. I always talk to him in his red GTR and he comes up to me because I've been calling him Craig at church, you see. So he comes up to me on the soccer field and he says, bud, that's the last time you will call me Craig. He says, my name's Gavin. And my wife's name is Sam. And I'm like, but I know. But I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about my other mate, Craig, at the back there with his wife. Ah, but we, we battle with names, eh? I'm trying, but I don't. I don't get it right. So, so, brother, or my pal, or how's it, bud, or how's it, my channel, or my sister, or princess. That one works well. If for the little girls, how's it, princess? I don't know her name, but yeah, she, she's cute. We can get away with calling somebody my brother. Let's read again in the proper Benoni and un- Benoni way. It says they're my brother, my brother. It's intimate. It's personal. My brother. There's a connection there. Call someone brother, co-worker and fellow soldier who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and he almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So it's proper, eh? Hey? He's vulnerable, man. He's not scared to share his emotions as he writes this to us. To tell us, you know what? I'm poor, but I, I, I suffer from anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord. Welcome this guy, Paphroditus, in the Lord with great joy. And honor people like him. Say, honor people like him. Honor people like him. Where's Ernest? Where are you? But stand up for me, but... And where's Chatted Christie? Are they yeah, They should be here. Chatted Christie. And where's my mate John? Where's John? Stand stand up, John. The Bible says, honor people like them. Honor people like this man, Epaphroditus. When I see Ernest coming here on a Saturday afternoon doing setup up with us in that little stuffy store that the school so kindly gave us and he's sweating and it's perspiring down his face he's like okay there it's fine it's fine I want to lose weight anyway but <laughs> and then on a Sunday after the eight o'clock prayer meeting outside you'll find Ernest do you know his name do you know that's his name he'll walk around with a tray full of cappuccinos just serving the volunteers who have come here early some at seven just giving them a free cappuccino. Honor people like him. Geert and Christi. The, their neighbors go through a crisis. One, one of their kids goes through a very hectic time. With a, They invite them to church. They, they pray for them. They make them a meal. Remember last couple of weeks back, we had that um, family picnic on the field. You know what they did on the Saturday afternoon? They baked maybe a hundred of those custard cupcake things, but they were proper. I could have had about five of their but. And they just walked around on the field, just handing them out, just blessing people. The Bible says, honor people like them. And this man, if, if this man didn't help us, on a Friday, he's on staff at Faramir Primary, but he'll go around and make sure that there's no chairs left at the pool or on the field because we need all the chairs that we can. And then he'll be the first person to arrive here on a Sunday morning. And he'll be the last to leave here on a Sunday after 12 o'clock. We, we think that the most important person in the church is the worship leader. That person's important, but not the most important. This is telling us that these people are the most important people in the church. And so as Christy takes her little one out, still a mom, still involved with business, making time for the kingdom. We honor them today. Can we give them a hand? short Sure. Excellent. take your seat. Let's carry on reading there. I'll tell you a verse 29. Welcome him, that's Epaphroditus in the Lord, with great joy. And honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give. It says brother, it's saying that Epaphroditus is a brother, he's a co-worker, it's saying that he is a fellow soldier and the one who takes care of your needs, servant. And so this is how we operate in Benoni. Hey brother, you want to go for a coffee? You want to meet at the mug and bean for a milky cappuccino? My brother, I'm going to use this illustration to illustrate brother today. And then I'm going to use this illustration to illustrate worker. I found it in somebody's building material, building trowel. Ladies, you, you, do, you, you build with this thing. Okay. Okay. My wife knows that. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm going to illustrate this today to illustrate a soldier. I borrowed it from a mate. I think it is proper, Annie, if I can just clip it on yeah. My kids have been teasing me all week, but uh, I practice putting it on with my sons. There we go. That's soldier. And then I'm going to use this today to illustrate a servant. It's a bit dirty because I've been cooking all week. <laughs> I'm a great cook. I don't believe what the pastor always says, but because I'm useless at cooking. And I can't brah. Brother, worker, soldier, and a servant. See, what happens in, 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 uh, in the Bible when we, we see the first two brothers that start, Cain and Abel, they outside the garden. You know what Cain does? He kills his brother, Abel. And then God goes to Cain and he says, Cain, where's your brother? And, and he looks and says, am I my brother's keeper? You see, inside of the garden, we lay down our life. For our brothers. Outside of the garden, we just kill our brother. Think of brothers who've worked together over the years. Think of the Unilever brothers. You know that place in Boxburg? Started by two brothers. Think of Marriott Hotel. That business group was started by two brothers. If you ride motorbikes, two brothers racing. Two brothers who were passionate about motorbikes in the States, they start an aftermarket product for exhausts. And they make exhausts for motorbikes. Two brothers racing. That's how they start. And then Adidas, the Dust brothers, they start this amazing company, this amazing brand called Adidas. And they have a fight. And the one Dust brother, he moves and he starts Puma. And so they're both very successful companies, Adidas and Puma. But the brothers have lost brotherhood. They're no longer brothers. And if I look at the church in Benoni, I wonder, are we really brothers? We're trying to start something together. As a group of churches, we get together and pray for our city and for our country and for our politicians. But are we really brothers? Do we carry the same name of Jesus? Are we prepared to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters? I, I don't just mean brothers, I mean sisters too. For Northfield and for Covenant Life, they've just changed their name to City on a Hill. And Benoni Baptist and the Presbyterians and the in here churches. Are we prepared to lay down our lives for our brothers and to declare the name of Jesus? Or are we trying to just be in competition for a section of the market and trying to promote our own brand? You see, Epaphroditus, he's a brother. And I believe brothers serve each other. You know what it says in Psalm 133? says this it's amazing it says when brothers dwell together in unity God commands a blessing say dwell together in unity if I dwell together in unity with my brother I don't have to agree on everything but if I dwell together in unity God's going to command a blessing number one we brothers number two we workers this is a classic in church scenarios this is a classic in most staff scenarios There was a man at the prayer meeting involved with parking this morning. I was chatting to him a little bit. He was retrenched a few months ago from a big corporate company. He was headhunted last month from a German corporate company where everyone comes to work at eight o'clock and clocks out at half past four. Douche. And they called him in because he's in a management position, said, How can we create a better working environment for our staff? He says to them, stop being so German. He was courageous to have said that. And if you're German here, I'm not trying to offend you, sir. Because there's amazing qualities in German character and in your German blood. I get that. But he's saying, guys, we need to create an environment where we're not just workers, but we're brothers. My mate Rory, he was a lead pastor at Glenridge, a big church in Durban. He said he used to come to work in the mornings, and they had a long corridor of offices, and the brothers' offices, their doors would be open because they wouldn't be in the office. They would be at the coffee shop talking about the newspaper and the waves on North Beach and how good life is. And he'd go upstairs to the offices and the workers' doors would be closed because they'd be working, trying to do something for Jesus, trying to do results-driven stuff for Jesus. And he used to go into the coffee shop and say, hey, guys, let's come do some work, eh? And he used to go and open the workers' doors and say, Hey, Oaks, tell me a story, man. What's happening in your life? What's Jesus doing in your life? The brothers and the workers working together hand in hand. Friends, we can't just come in here Sunday after Sunday just being brothers, not prepared to get our hands dirty. We've got to work together. And I'm really battling with this, I'll be honest. A few Saturdays ago, a couple months ago, after setup. Left here with my family, the kids in the back, but stuff in the car, eh? you know, that vibe. eh? And my kids say, oh, dad, that's not fun anymore. Setups on a Saturday aren't fun anymore. And I'm like, why not? Of course they are, why? (laughs) Because you're too stressed, dad. It's not fun anymore. There's a job to be done here on a Saturday. We've got to unpack that storeroom and put things out and make sure the sound is right and the chairs and clean up things. (sighs) It's a job. And I want to do it. My teammates tease me because I get into China mall mode. But do you know what that is? It's like that bull in the China shop. Just runs, but it's a job. Let's do it. And we just pack that storeroom on a Sunday afterwards. And who, do look, who cares what the cables look like? How we just do it. Just yesterday, my brother, standing in the middle here. We're busy with sound on the stage. And he's standing with two guys. Where's that? Like? He's here. I saw him. And my butt's wife's on holiday and he's battling a bit with the kids and he's telling them how he's handling things as a single parent. And I'm like, but we need help on the stage, your but my brother's connecting with brothers having coffee there. It's got to be balance, man. And I want to get this right. Because it doesn't come naturally to me. Yes, there's time for coffee, but hey, we had to work. No, it can't be like that. Fighting with us though. Heard of an amazing story. World War II pilot. Went on 75 missions. On his 75th mission, he was shot down. The rest were all successful. Jumped out the plane, pulled his parachute out, landed for six years. He was a prisoner of war. And he was released. And, and years after he was released, he was sitting with his wife, day having lunch. A man walked past him, looked at him, and said, were you in World War II? He said, yes. Were you a pilot? He said, yes. Were you shot down on your 75th mission? He said, Yes. He how do you know all of this? He says, I was the man that packed your parachute. My oh, goodness. He says, for years after he was released, he was going around the country, around the world at times, speaking to corporates and events on how never to give up and how to persist as a prisoner of war. But never once had he given that man recognition for packing his parachute. And he said, that day he changed his way of speaking and he honored that man who packed his parachute. We're gonna find unity with other churches, friends, whether you are a parachute packer, whether you are a coffee drinker, whether you are a a preacher or a worship leader, or whether you are John that stays here till after 12 on a Sunday. Everyone, everyone's gonna do their part. And we gotta fight for it, friends. We gotta fight for it. Some of it doesn't come naturally to us, friends. Some of it, at times, is a struggle, and we hurt people. There's there's stuff in my heart that I battle with. Some of the stuff's horrific. If I don't deal with that stuff in my heart, some of the materialism in our hearts, friends, materialism is a massive thing in in our city. Simply this. Materialism is simply this. When you're living above your means, trying to impress people who actually don't care about you anyway. That's what materialism is. We've got to go to war against these things friends we've got to declare war on those things in our lives and individualism individualism in benoni is a massive thing i did it my way i'm the king no friends jesus is the king and he introduces us to our father say our father he didn't come and say my father let me show you my father he says my our father in heaven and then he just served he just carried on serving he was a brother. He was a worker. Jesus worked. He was a soldier and a servant. He just served and served and served. Somebody has going through a tough time where in your working environment, you've been told that you focus far too much on your colleagues and people around you and not on yourself. And you need to be a bit more selfish. And you're wrestling with that right now. It's tough. Eh? Jesus served and served and served just carried on serving right up until the end. Clint shared on Easter Friday how Jesus served right up until the end on that Thursday night before he was about to die, just the night before he was gonna go to the cross, he calls his disciples and he takes that outer garment off showing that he's a rabbi, he takes it off, puts that towel around his waist, clothes of a servant and he goes down and he washes his disciples' feet Serving people is when we aim low. We serve low. The best way I can serve is by praying for you, Duncan. You know, you know when you pray for somebody, that's so, so low because they don't even actually know that you're praying for them. They don't even know about it. That's when we're becoming like Epaphroditus. Is it easy to serve? This week I was faced with a situation here at church. And instinctively that business way of thinking wants to kick in. Totally the opposite to serving. It's not easy to serve. I I remember telling you the story when we started church. How there was a lady in our family business who was working. I treated her like she was working for us. Instead of treating her like she was working with us, I treated her very badly for months and months and months. Until January came, she came to work within the first week of that year. She made a very emotional decision and she resigned. Bottom line, because of the way I was treating her. And it was playing in my heart for years. Until one Friday, I met her at the mug and bean at the carnival mall. And I sat at that table and I cried I said, I'm sorry for treating you the way I did It's not easy to serve people, friends. And in the business world, some companies and corporates don't have a clue what it means to live a life like Jesus did and just serve and serve. If we come into this church and people come into this church and something clicks in our hearts and we start to serve, the city is going to be changed and others' lives are going to be changed. Some people are going to come into this church when you have to have coffee after coffee, after coffee, after coffee with them. And some are gonna come into this church and we're gonna have to brother them and sister them and mother them and father them. A man came up to me this morning, he says, did you ask that guy to phone me and have a coffee with me? And I'm like, no, but I had no idea about that. A man out of his own decides, you know what? This guy's on my mind, I wanna invite him for coffee. Oh, he must have a lot of time on his hands. Not at all, friends. He just sowed 90 minutes of his day into another man's life. Another lady in this church heard a story about her just sewing into a family that are going through a crisis. No one asked her to, she's just serving, just praying. Some people we're going to have to fight for in this church. Some people we're going to have to lay our lives down for in this church. Oh, does that mean you're going to go and beat up somebody's ex-husband? No, I'm not talking about that fighting. I'm talking about fasting. I'm talking about praying. That's what I'm talking about. Are there some soldiers in the midst of Freedom Church? Are we prepared to stand up and as a culture here, as a church, do something that I'm not telling you to do? Something that the Bible's saying, honor people who are doing this in a New Testament church that we see in the book of Acts. And some people, we're going to have to put our aprons on and have to serve them and serve them and serve them and serve them. There's a a man in the church, I don't know if he's here today, he was born on the 17th of June, a Tuesday, 1975. Just 30 minutes after I was born. Different mothers, different fathers, different hospital. And I got to know this man for years now. There's been many times, it's been an absolute privilege to be called his brother. There's been many times that we've stayed up late at night and he's spoken into my life. And he's convicted me of things that he feels I've been doing wrong. And vice versa. There's been many hours that he's woken up in the early hours of the morning and he's prayed for me. And vice versa. There's been many things I've done that he hasn't agreed with. And there's been things that he's done and, and I haven't agreed with. But we are brothers together. And I'm not ashamed to be called his brother. You know that Jesus Christ is not ashamed to be called your brother. Your brother. You know that. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, it says Jesus Christ, he's not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, Daryl, I've done some really terrible things. You know what else it says in Hebrews chapter 2? It says Jesus Christ makes you holy. And those who are holy, it says, become his brother. You're sitting here today and those terrible things are playing on your mind. Jesus Christ makes you holy and you become holy. His brother. If that's how you're feeling today, I want to challenge you. After the service, just come and pray with me or one of my teammates and ask Jesus to become, to, be, to make you holy and become your brother. You know what else it says? It says he will stand among us and he will keep showing us. Jesus will keep showing us what the Father is really like because the brother from heaven came down to show the rest of the brothers what the Father is really like. We need some brothers in this city to stand, to stand and show others what Jesus is really like, what the Father is really like. But we've got to stand. We've got to stand. And then Jesus is about to go to the cross in John 17. He, he looks up to heaven. He says, Father, glorify me as I have glorified you by completing there, you see it, completing the good works you gave me to do. The greatest way you and I can glorify our Heavenly Father is doing the good works that He's prepared for us to do. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 2. It says that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God prepared in advance for us to do. He prepared them in advance for us to do. Maybe you're saying, Daryl, I have no idea what these good works are that God has prepared for me to do. Find out. Find out, friends. God has prepared those works for you to do, they are inside of you. Do what comes naturally. God has gifted you in certain areas where someone's not as gifted be it as a brother, be it as a worker, be it as a soldier and a servant. Do what comes naturally. Put your name down at the information desk, but just stand. Just stand every four or five weeks. Just stand and be part of this culture that we're wanting Freedom Church to be a part of. And when those God coincidence moments come and you walk into somebody at the pick and pay, or you hear about someone whose dad's in hospital, take those God coincidence moments, make a meal, send a message, Pray for somebody Oh, I can't. No, you can't. Just pray from your heart. God's prepared those works in advance for you to do. Tomorrow, at school, in the office, with that client, with that mate on the golf course. But just stand. Jesus Christ was the ultimate brother. Jesus Christ, friends, is the ultimate worker, the ultimate soldier. Psalm 45, it says this, talks about Jesus being the ultimate warrior, the ultimate soldier. It says this, gird your sword upon your side, O mighty warrior, ride forth victoriously for truth, humility, and righteousness. What's the fight of the Christian soldier, soldier, friends? Truth, humility, and righteousness. Are you a Christian soldier? Are you fighting for truth? So if you're not dealing with your lying, you're on the losing side. If you're not dealing with your pride, you're on the losing side. We're we fighting as soldiers with, for, for truth, humility, and righteousness. That's the fight of faith. And then we know Philippians 2. It says he humbled himself and he took on the very nature of a servant. Jesus Christ was the ultimate brother, Jesus Christ was the ultimate worker, he was the ultimate soldier. And he was the ultimate servant. Epaphroditus was just a reflection of Jesus Christ. And you and I should be challenged as we read about a man called Epaphroditus. Because these qualities are what we want to honor in the life of Freedom Church. What's God got planned for our future? I do not know. But I do know this. He wants our culture. He wants our family To represent Jesus well. God wants us to be like Epaphroditus, friends. Who was just a reflection of Jesus. And I want to say, will you with me? Will you with me build a church in our city? Where we all, all play a role. As a brother. As a worker. As a soldier. and As a servant. In Jesus' name.